Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. Surprises are the currency of big fan conventions like San Diego Comic-Con, which took place last weekend in Fresno? Maybe. I'm not sure where they hold that one, but Star Trek was represented in a big way over the weekend, with Alex Kurtzman and the Star Trek team inviting attendees to enter the Star Trek universe through a trio of panels, which brought volley after volley of amazing revelations about the new season of Star Trek Discovery, the new show Lower Decks, the upcoming short treks, and of course, a brand new trailer and details about the upcoming Star Trek Picard series. And I bring you now those revelations. But it's too much for one podcaster to handle, so I'm once again joined by Mikan Hana of the Just Enough Trope podcast, a newswoman and Star Trek fan in her own right. We break down all the Star Trek news from SDCC and provide a few theories of our own as to what we think is coming up. We also have a few other stories from the Trek Sphere to share, and we give you a recap of our experiences at this year's Shore Leave Convention. Plus, not one, but two patented incredible celebrity encounter stories. So stick around until the end for that. We're still recovering from a pair of long weekends at cons, so we're kind of punchy, but I think we landed okay in the end. Remember, you can always find us on social media at EISTpod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to become a crew member of the show, stop by patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. New Patreon episodes are incoming. So much is happening in the new Star Trek universe. It's exciting. It's almost too much, but we're here to break it down for you. So fire up your Ram scoops and get collecting. And with that, let's get underway. What is it with Russians and shooting dogs? Oh, Whenever boy. there's a tragedy or there is maybe a momentous event, it seems like the dogs are the first to go. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. And yet, like, they were overrun with dogs when they had the Olympics there not yeah, that long ago. exactly. Okay. <laughs> if you're in Sochi, uh, some of those dogs, that, uh, I'll tell you about my great-great-great-grandfather. Oh, boy. <laughs> he was somewhere around Pripyat in 86. Oh, Ooh, boy. Boy, you got to get out of there. <laughs> Yeah, I've got three snouts. What about it? <laughs> Just like this whole mini series about like this horrible event. Yes. But also, and I think the mini series Chernobyl that we're talking about captures this, but also just the incredible dogged heroism required of a lot of the people. Yeah. So literally hundreds of thousands of people, you know, putting their lives in, on their line, shortening their lives in order yes. to uh, correct this horrible bureaucratic error. Yeah. And it, people, they shot dogs. That's all anybody remembers. <laughs> the fact that it was really upsetting. The fact that Barry Keown had to go out and shoot some dogs. I know, I know. It was really sad, and I, I think, <laughs> I think there's something to be said too. Like people get really upset about that, but like, never mind. Like all the the actual people that like died because of this tragedy <laughs> yeah right you know yeah. what people remember is all those dogs not like like the firefighters that died really quickly and horribly 
after this experience. Yeah, it was stark. It was a, it was a stark look yes. at, at a stark event. Yeah. Uh, not a Tony Stark uh, event, though. No, clearly not. Uh, no, that would be a lot of fireworks and, mm-hmm. and dancing girls mm-hmm. is how it goes there. And you know that because you are the co-host of the Just Enough Trope podcast. Yes. What happens there? People know. People already know. <laughs> You've been on the show a couple times. Welcome back to the Thank show. You. We're here today to talk about some exciting news yes. from the world of Trek. And uh, that's what you do on Just Enough Trope. You talk yes. about all the news that's fit to cast in the world of nerdy entertainment. So stick Trek nerdy entertainment in there. Right. And then you're ready for this job. All right. You were born yeah. to do this. Sign me up. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of the great announcements from San Diego Comic-Con. At the end of this segment, we're going to make you work for it. We're going to make you wait. But we're still talking about the Trek news that's hanging around right now, which is um, there is some. Yes. Uh, you've seen Star Trek The Motion Picture. I, I have, yes. Where would you rate it within the 13 Trek films extant? Uh, is one the best or is 13 the best? What's the best? And the scale. Sorry. Okay. I forgot how scale-oriented you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. One is the best. <laughs> Into Darkness is the worst. <laughs> um, I actually kind of feel like motion picture might be like the worst. Um, yeah. I really didn't like it. Well, I was... thanks for being on the show. Okay. Where can people... Nah, people don't care. <laughs> I was bored. Star Trek the motionless picture? Yeah, exactly. Well, don't worry, audience. She's got a chance to change your mind. (laughs) Because Star Trek the motion picture is coming back to theaters. Oh, my goodness. This September 15th to celebrate the film's 40th anniversary. Wow. Yes. That thing that died on the transporter platform, had it lived, it would be 40 now. Wow. But it didn't live very long. No, it didn't. It's coming back through a Fandango event. Tickets are available on AMC's website. Okay. Here's um, your chance. Yeah. Maybe I'll like it on the big screen. To see those I don't visuals. Know. To hear, yes, through uh, THX Sound, that amazing Jerry Goldsmith score. Yes. Uh, I mean, there were some good things about it, I guess. Um, you put you it know, over Into Darkness. I don't know. Maybe they're tied. Over five. Over, nema- over Nemesis. I just really, I really remember not liking it very much. <laughs> um, I think I've only seen it once, so maybe I need to see it another time to give it a fair shake. Um, but I, I just really remember being bored and not <laughs> the what the female lead in it. What was like? What was she like all about? Like I didn't really like. She was about not having sex because she's too good at it, and uh-huh. also about being a robot. Yeah. It was just kind of like, what is this character? What are you trying to say? Um, And yeah, I just felt like the crew didn't really have a whole lot to do. And wasn't it like the only one that like Ronberry was really heavily involved with? (laughs) Yeah, that is. That's also true. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. Maybe Ronberry was good at the TV and not so much the film. I don't know. Uh, well, we're, we have a show about that coming up in the future uh-huh. uh, about Roddenberry's films, or should I say film, a film that kind of like a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a, um, 
a cameo or something like that. I was going to mm-hmm. say Hitchcock, but like I guess his cameos are positive, if, if not short. But kind of creeping in at the edges of this show has been a little film called Pretty Maids All in a Row, I've uh, which heard keeps you talk popping about its that. head up and yes. will be talked about at some point. And maybe too hot, maybe too hot for the feed. Maybe that'll show up on uh, our Patreon uh, <laughs> at patreon.com forward slash EISDpod. But yeah, um, the only one that he had uh, a lot of connection to. But, you know, a lot of people worked on that. Robert Wise worked on that. Um, yeah, a lot of people worked on that. All right. Those two people that I mentioned. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me let me ask you, uh, Cal, where would, where would you rate it? Uh, well, I'm probably above Into Darkness. Okay. Um, it's so hard. I mean, it's not like, you know, they're your babies. Sure. In a way. Yeah. And I can see the good in Star Trek Nemesis. Sure. Uh, it doesn't take long to see it. It goes by real fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, with something coming up that we're about to talk about, I think it's more relevant than ever. And you watch. You watch. You're going to see the, the Nemesis apologists start popping up, I think. Uh-oh. If they haven't already. Okay. I think we're going to get people, oh, screen rant, 15 reasons why Star Trek Nemesis isn't so bad, yeah. and five reasons why it's even better <laughs> than First Contact or whatever. Right. I'd put it in the middle, probably. You know, okay. I I have a lot more patience for the kind of sci-fi that it's delivering the post, or sorry, it's it, it came out after Star Wars. It was right. made because... Of Star Wars. Of Star Wars. Paramount was like, we got to get on in this. But they delivered sci-fi that was pre-Star Wars threshold. Once that ship flies overhead, you know, that's that's pretty much sci-fi now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for something of the previous era, I think it's fine. It's an interesting story. Um, There's some good performances in it. Um, There's that guy from Seventh Heaven that we don't talk about anymore. Right. But he did an okay job. And I thought Persis Kabato, you know, had a horrible task to play a robot lady, but she did it fine. And there's some great Spock and uh, McCoy uh, moments, also development in their characters. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole arc, and I've talked about this somewhere else, who knows, exhausted, couldn't remember, (laughs) but about how every, oh, it was at a panel, uh, every Star Trek movie is about, well, we're too old to do this. Yes, yes. Only maybe we're not. And that right. starts in this one. Like, it's okay. already there. Fair. So, yeah. So you can't blame anybody else. It started with that film. You reminded me, just talking about it, it does have one of my favorite uh, Trek film moments in it. Uh, when they are approaching the Enterprise, and it, I believe it's Kirk and Scotty, and they... Look at each other, it's and they look at the ship, and they look back at each other, and they nod, and they do that a couple of times. It's like six and a half minutes. It's, it's not that bad. It's so long for a sequence like this, but it's the... so it's so funny to me. If a minute of a movie script is a page, then what what does it say on those six pages? Right. <laughs> I know. Dot 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 dot. Were they ad libbing? <laughs> you know, like. Well, yeah. And how many like shot? So we we can't show anybody because it's a podcast, but something in more recent memory if you remember the scene uh, the unfreezing scene in austin powers yes. where basil exposition is with general uh who's who's in toot or whatever uh-huh. and they're watching all the things that austin's going through and it's ridiculous things and we keep cutting back to uh michael york and he's like smiling and he turns to the general he's like mm, and he's like you know nods and just smiles right like it's that it's just like yes. eight shots of them doing that to each other and what i want to know is why did robert wise cap capture eight shots of them doing that yes. it must have been they probably did a couple takes 
uh, you know, and then a couple for safety. And they're like, oh, no, we need every single one of these because Jerry Goldsmith wants his entire score to be played <laughs> as we go around the, the beautiful refit USS uh, Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, well, you can catch that on September 15th. Uh, tickets are probably going to go fast for this, don't you think? Um, they're probably almost gone. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because it's just a it's a one time thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm sure there are a lot of Star Trek fans who think of it fondly and want to go. If see you'll it go on the watch screen. opera uh, for a Fandango event or sure. a Fathom event or whatever, then yeah, go watch this. Yeah. It's space opera, mm, but yes. like real space opera. <laughs> Not that lightsabery stuff. Uh, speaking of movies, uh, this is only tangentially Star Trek related, but I thought it was funny. Uh, Space Jam 2 is in full swing. Oh, boy. It has been shooting now. If you follow Le- uh, LeBron James on Twitter mm-hmm. or on Instagram, he is going ham on showing you little bits, little drips and drabs from the film. Okay. Uh, showing little sneak peeks at stuff. You can see um, some of the updated uh, jerseys. And he's just, the guy, he's good on the court. He's good in cyberspace. Well, that's, he a, knows that's a good thing to have for how your this works. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he's been sharing that sort of stuff. Uh, and of course, Miss um, Sonequa Martin Green will be oh, playing yes. his wife in the film. Right. Which we don't know how big of a role that is. And my but... thing is, like, I guess they didn't do this in the first Space Jam either, but, like, you know, Savannah James is a person yeah. <laughs> who can talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is like a businesswoman. Why not just have her. I'll be, I don't want to take a, a role away from Sinequa, but why not have her do it? Right. I don't know. Who, who's going to play his fake kids? I don't know. <laughs> some 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 actors who are going to be like, whoa, it's Bugs Bunny. And, you know, just <laughs> totally like have these big reactions to stuff. And, yeah, yeah. I guess that happens in Space Jam. Yeah. It's a slam. Exciting. And yeah. Jam. It's a Space Jam. That's what, that's what it is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that I think that Sinequa definitely deserves a real movie role. <laughs> I'm oh, glad that she, yeah. this is high profile. People are going right. to see her. She's going to kill it. They're going to go, who is that, you know, gorgeous woman? Let's get her in some more roles. But you got to start somewhere. That's where she's starting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, her, her role on Discovery is pretty high profile as far and as. It's very like, cinematic too. I mean, yeah. I'm sure like she booked that. Um, or Space Jam because of that. I'm sure she did. And I'm sure she's you know already working on fielding other offers. But yeah, once we get it up there. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be a big hit like the first one was? Um, I kind of think it will be. Um, I, I think LeBron is really popular, just like uh, Michael Jordan was really popular. Um, and I think there are going to be uh, basketball fans that go out just to see it because of LeBron. LeBron, isn't it? Oh, sure. And there are going to be kids who want to see it because Bugs Bunny. Um, and interesting note. Huh? Does anybody care about Looney Tunes anymore? I think that people still care. I think it's still played on like Saturday morning cartoons. Like I would at least. <laughs> I, I, I so would cute be... that you think that Saturday morning cartoons still exist. Don't they in like some form? Cartoons I feel like play they do. all the time. There's an entire network. Well, yeah, okay. Um, I just feel like there has to be some like dish network out there somewhere or whatever <laughs> that like that plays like Looney Tunes and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and Tiny Tunes. Remember Tiny Tunes and like Animaniacs? Yeah, that's more. I hope that's stuff. true, but. Yeah, maybe like on the WB streaming service. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, that's just enough Trump stuff. Let's talk about more Trek stuff. All right. Uh, somewhat related to Sonequa Martin-Green, the character mm-hmm. that she plays of Michael Burnham and Michael Burnham's mother. 
played by Sonia Sohn on Star Trek Two uh, or Star Trek Season Two of Discovery. Uh, she was arrested over the weekend. What for on charges of possession of cocaine and marijuana? You're kidding. No, that stinks. No. Yes. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to either. She was in North Carolina, uh, and it was, uh, I'm not sure for what, but uh, she, yeah, she was charged with misdemeanor offenses of marijuana and uh, drug paraphernalia possession. Well, okay. Oh, and felony, I guess cocaine would be a felony possession. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, marijuana, I feel like we make a bigger deal out of possession of marijuana than we really should in this country, um, but Okay. Uh, cocaine is kind of, it's a hell of a drug. It's, wow. It's um, not, uh, I, the, the views of me, Kanana, are not shared by the, the yeah. Um, <laughs> um uh, I, I just, I, I'm disappointed because she's such a talented actress, uh, and I, I really like her a lot, and, you know, I just, it just stinks. And we don't know anything about this. Uh, right. She has not commented to her representatives. She spent about six minutes in jail before she, you know, made bail. Um, so we don't know the situation here. We don't know, you know, who she was driving with or whose it was or whatever. So it's, oh, you know, this will be an ongoing thing. Uh-huh. Uh, she's been working on a documentary about uh, the Baltimore Police Department. Really? And their um, gun trace task force, which okay. was apparently uh, really corrupt. Uh, many of the officers involved in it are uh, facing federal charges. Uh, for like racketeering and that sort of thing. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, and of course she played uh, Kima Griggs, uh, yeah. Baltimore um, a homicide detective in The Wire. So, so she's been working on that. That that sounds good. But yeah, this is I don't know. I mean, it seems like a bad situation. It does. I don't know why I'm re- reporting this story. Um, because it's tangentially Star Trek. <laughs> it's very related. tangentially tra- Star Trek related. Yeah. I'm just trying. Th- is this a good idea? I'm just trying to delay the cream. You got to eat all your vegetables <laughs> before you get uh, your dessert. Uh, and you got to, and this is the lima beans. Yes. Uh, in that oh, food yes. related metaphor. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's been talking about his Star Trek movie. Yes. Now, how could one man mm-hmm. who has made eight, right? I think so. Uh, of the, you know, most lauded uh, modern films mm-hmm. uh, of the past 20, 25 years, uh, he's. On a tour, he's promoting his new film, which yes. is going to add to that pantheon, mm-hmm. to that canon. How could he talk about Star Trek so much? Like, I talk about Star Trek all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, buddy, you're talking about Star Trek too much. Um, I think it's because it's Quentin Tarantino, and like he just likes to talk a lot. Like He's a big talker. Speaking about cocaine being a hell of a drug. Oh, boy. We can bring that back in. Oh, boy. Um. I, I, I don't know. I think he obviously is like a huge fan and he's obviously really excited about this idea and, you know, has worked on the script and well, the script is supposedly done. And- yes. It's being written by Mark L. Smith, who wrote The Revenant. And Tarantino was on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast oh boy. recently. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good get. <laughs> who else has been on that show? Yeah, I wonder. I could um, get Tarantino. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Maybe with the, his Trek idea, he's maybe he's fielding lots of calls. Maybe I could send him a little, a little something. Oh boy! A little Stop. something, something. <laughs> Javier Slice it. The guy's got a lot of energy. Yes. He's talking on this podcast about 
his plans for this thing. So he didn't write the script necessarily, okay. but he's been involved in it. Okay. And he says, um, some of these will be quotes. I guess I won't tell you when I'm quoting, but when I start you know, talking like this, then it's uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> All right. But he says sure. uh, that he doesn't know how much he can say, but it will be uh, dealing with the Chris Pine timeline. Okay, so Kelvin Universe. So we didn't know that, right? Yeah, before. No, we did now not we know, know that. it's a Kelvin Universe thing. Except yeah. he goes on to say in the same interview that he doesn't. Now I am quoting him. Uh, I don't quite understand. JJ can't explain it to me, and my editors tried to explain it to me, and I still don't get it. Something happened in the first movie that wiped the slate clean. No, I don't buy that. I don't like that. You know, I don't like that. He says. So the guy says, "Okay, so what? so you like no, original confused. Trek? You yeah. want everything to have happened, right? Right. Uh, City on the Edge of Forever. You want to make sure all that still happens." And Quentin Tarantino says, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I want." And he says, "Benedict Cumberbatch isn't Khan. You know, Khan is Khan." And he, he, I told JJ that I didn't like that, and JJ said, "Ignore it. Nobody likes it. I don't understand. Do whatever you can. You want wow. it to happen the same way. That's the way it happened." So. So we're learning a lot here. Yeah. Assuming he's telling the truth. Uh, JJ hates Into Darkness as well. Apparently. So you hate yourself, JJ. <laughs> What's the mystery? You're in the box. Oh, my goodness. It's your head. Seven. Uh, uh, so the the podcast host comes back. Obviously, I haven't listened to this, but I'm assuming confused. And he says, okay, so what you want is something you know that is more like the trick that you came up with, right? Then Tarantino goes into this long rant about uh, how William Shatner is Star Trek. It's all thanks to him and his okay. Kirk. And even Chris Pine is doing William Shatner's Kirk, which Chris Pine himself has said that he wasn't trying to do William Shatner's Kirk. But right. whatever. He he really liked, I guess he saw 2009 and he really liked 2009 and their depiction of the show. All right. So he wants to do something along those lines. Okay. I can see how that is a little confusing because you're you're saying like the original series is like the only track, but then you're saying, but I like 2009. But he so... doesn't seem to get that there's this, and I get it. Like Star Trek fans still don't. I field lots of questions on social media from people who still don't understand that the Pine Trek, right. the Kelvin Trek, is another universe. Yes. It like we just saw Endgame. I think that explained it pretty well. Uh-huh. Because of quantum mechanics and temporal physics, it it's a different place. You can yes. you gotta go there. You gotta take a trip and get there. You don't live there. Right. I think he thinks that it's Pine and Quinto and those guys are just depicting our heroes at an earlier point in time. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like they're just they're recast. Yeah, I Which see. they are, but, you know, but they kind of aren't because right. this is wibbly wobbly trekkie wecky. And, and they even. Hashtag. Yeah, they even say that oh, in no, the movie. No. The, every, all three movies make it incredibly clear that that is exactly what's going on right. here. But my guess is that he doesn't get that. And so he. Okay. I don't know why he thinks Into Darkness exists at all then. Maybe he just thinks that. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch will grow up to be uh, Rubber Peck Trek. Right. Uh, Con. Yeah. Um, hashtag Rubber Peck Trek. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I th- he just wants to make this fourth movie and we still don't know what it's going to be. But I think he just thinks it's going to fit in somehow. And clearly Abrams will let him do whatever. Right. Clearly Abrams does not care. Tarantino. Right. Do you think, do you think, how do you think J.J. Abrams compares his body of work to Tarantino's? Do you think he's... He put it up against Tarantino. I think he's proud. I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Um, I 
Feek. I bet he is proud. I bet he is. Um, Abrams? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to disagree. Go oh, ahead. you are? <laughs> well, I mean, how can you, like, I guess I just think it would be sad if he wasn't proud. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> it is sad. Okay. So you think he's not proud? I do. Okay. I do think he is not proud. Uh, I think that, you know, taken for all in all, Tarantino puts what he wants to see on the screen. Oh, absolutely. He I gets it. I completely agree with you. And, yeah. you know, whether you uh, like it or not, um, whether you, you have to remember that I, okay, I do like Tarantino's films, mostly mm-hmm. because of their sense of style. I don't like a lot of the themes uh, and sort of the um, regressive kind of um, social politics that you see in his films. Yes. But you guys got a lot of style. Mm-hmm. However, he is just cribbing from older movies. That's true. Everything's a remix. That's the culture we live in right now. But I think there are um, creative, um, singular creators who bring something new that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I won't bore you with a list of those people now, Yorgos Lanthimos. But uh, <laughs> but he's basically just kind of like doing like a mixtape of, you know, it's a Guardians of the Galaxy mixtape of his favorite songs. Yeah. So yeah. you could say that that's not, you know, a lot of it isn't very original. Fine, whatever. But he gets, he nails it, and he walks away satisfied every time. Yes. I think that every single one of J.J. Abrams' movies, he is apologizing for something. Or he is rushing to get it done, or it's thrown together, and I'm not going to make some crack about how the lens flares are blinding you to (laughs) how it's not as well put together as it seems. Mm -hmm. But I just just did, I guess. Yeah. Every time he makes a movie, people go, it's stylish, but kind of empty. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, I just combine the the detractors and the people who uh, support them as well. It's like, it's really good looking. There's nothing there. And then you'll hear in an interview after it, it's like, well, we wanted to do this and we were trying to do this and we kind of hoped that we could do this and we didn't know. And it, that's just it every time. You I hear about like, um, like Force Awakens. Like I got this job, but I had to do, I had to make it in six months. We didn't know what to do. So we decided to do, oh, we'll just do New Hope. And right. everybody's criticism is, it's just New Hope. Right. He's like, all right, well, you know, yeah, that's what it was. So I just feel like he's very good at uh, bringing people together. He's very good at, like, assembling very talented people. But I don't think that there's – I wonder if he's ever, like, yelled at somebody because they weren't – not because they were late, but because they weren't giving him what he wanted. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. We're getting into movie talk now, but it's sort of like like Paul Feig. Like, Paul Feig directed a lot of episodes of The Office. And yeah. We all remember The Office as being as great as it, as it is because of that. Mm-hmm. And he was a performer himself, so he understands um, delivery and he understands, like, you know, actors bouncing off of each other and trying stuff. Absolutely. And then he gets into the motion picture sphere. Yeah. And it's totally hit or miss because it's not like TV. And when you see interviews yes. with him, he just seems... He's got to act like he's excited. I mean, he's proud of this movie he put together, but everything is like, well, we didn't know, so we just gave it to this. Or it's like, oh, we just we just thought we'd try this. And if you don't think that the movie came off well, then you, I think you have a pretty good idea of why that might be. Yes. Now, this is, I'm just riffing here. Like, I don't, you could come back and tell me that J.J. Abrams wrote the Journal of the Wills too. He knew exactly what he wanted to do with Star Wars, but... Every single time that I see an interview with him or hear him talk about something, he just seems like a guy who's like, he just, we got to get this movie made, get it made, get it made, get it made. You know, he's just, he's a a showman, a businessman. He's going to get these things made. 
do you in think- the in the vein or in the in the style of the old Hollywood filmmakers? You know, yeah. it's like just get it up there. You've got Orson Welles being like, "No, we have to do this, and we're going to need six months for this." And then you've got Daryl Zanuck or whoever is just come on, come on, make the picture, make it, make it, make it. Do you do you think his next Star Wars film is going to be a remake of a previous? This film? is okay. This is why I'm really looking forward to Rise of the Skywalker because it, he's trapped now. He can't get away. Right. There's no mysteries. Yeah. There's no starting something and giving it off to somebody else. Right. He has to end this trilogy, and yes. it'll be the first time that we pin him down, and he's going to have to say something. He's going to have to bring it all home, and it's it's tough. Yeah. He, he's living it on uh, on hard mode here because it is so beloved, and yes. it's supposed to bring really like the entire nonology to a close. Mm-hmm. He is not the man to do that, and I want to see what happens. Not because oh, I want to see a train wreck. It's really because I believe in him, but I think that as a creator, he's gotten used to getting away. You know, mm-hmm. his whole thing is the mystery box. Like, right. let the audience do the work. He's going to have to do the work. Yeah, like he starts and things, I but he see doesn't him, finish them. Yeah, and I want to yeah. see him do something great. But it remains to be seen whether he will. Okay. Well, we'll have to check back, circle back Yeah. later. I guess so. Yeah. Because we've got other things to talk about. That's right. What? Um. <laughs> Why isn't it the San Francisco Comic-Con? That's what I want to know. Uh, Good question. Get that shot of the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. You built Starfleet Academy right by the Golden Gate Bridge. I know. Is Starfleet Academy built... On the ruins of Skywalker Ranch. That's what I need to know. <laughs> it sure looks like it. It, it yeah. It, it does. sure. It's like yeah. we wouldn't even know we were in San Francisco unless the bridge was right there. Right. Exactly. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about San Diego, uh, yes. about 800 miles south of there. Uh, San Diego Comic Con has come and gone, and yes. a lot of things happened. Uh, we've talked about the comic book and movie side of that. On our show, Just Enough Trope. That's right. You can tune in to that to hear about all the Marvel announcements mm-hmm. and movie announcements and that sort of thing. But this was the, God, what do they call it? Enter the Star Trek universe right. was the name of the initiative. And the way that fans entered the Star Trek universe was through three panels. A panel about the Lower Deck series that's coming out. Mm-hmm. A panel about the future of Star Trek Discovery. And of course, a panel about Star Trek Picard. Yes. They showed a trailer at the panel, which is available on YouTube. I recommend highly that you go check it out. Uh, it was very revealing about what we'll be looking for or looking at in the new series. Uh, it will be a serialized series. I think that was mm-hmm. assumed, but it's been confirmed of 10 episodes. And thoughts? You saw the trailer. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I mean, the teaser was was exciting, too. But I'm even more excited about um, the, this trailer that we saw. Um we saw Data, we saw Seven of Nine, um, you know, and we see a lot of Picard walking around. And I think one thing that they talked about is that they want, you know, it is, he is older and you do see that, that he has aged. And, you know, they don't want to, like, emphasize that necessarily, but they're not, like, pretending like he's Superman, which I think is, <laughs> which is good. Something that um, it reminded me of, just going off of that, was it felt very similar to All Good Things to me. Yes, in absolutely. He's he's trying to get some people together mm-hmm. to solve a problem. Yes. So he's got to assemble a ragtag crew. Yes. Um, people don't really believe him necessarily or it seems like there are people who are trying to tell him i don't worry about it Mm -hmm. um 
And also, he doesn't have a rank anymore. Right. So they're not following him out of uh, duty, the chain of command. It's just the respect that they hold him in. Yes, exactly. Uh, All of... Things that were, you know, I mean, I don't, we don't know if he's got aromatic syndrome or not, but those are all things that were um, part of all good things. Absolutely. Um, I'm also excited to, because we, we found out that uh, Troy and Riker are going to be back as well. Um, so I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, but there, there's a lot of like um, new characters in the series too. Yeah. I mean, people are talking about, the, you know, the big pops for all the returning characters. Mm-hmm. Um but I was just thinking about the fact that as I was watching it, there are a lot of people that we don't know. Yes. We don't have any idea who these people are. We've never seen them before mm-hmm. unless somebody is Jordy LaForge's kid or something like that. Right. Like, and that's probably the most exciting thing to me. I know that you have to put Brent Spiner in there. You have to put Jerry Ryan in there. I know. In what some sites are calling the first crossover between TNG and Voyager. And I'm like, look, we all hate Nemesis, but we don't hate it that much, right? <laughs> you know, those, uh, Janeway talked to Picard. Yeah. Saw that happen. Yeah, right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, but what I'm most ex- excited about is like, who are these nobodies? Because right. 30 years ago, a bunch of nobodies far pointed their way into our hearts mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that these are going to be like the new people that you know in another 30 years we look back and go oh thank god we got to meet um pointy-eared guy right or other pointy-eared guy <laughs> or a girl with cut on her head yeah <laughs> um i'm i'm like i'm i don't know i'm very intrigued by uh the bits of story that we saw um it, there's yeah, it appears that Romulans have captured a Borg cube or something like that. Right. And they're doing like weird experiments. We see a scene that looks like a um, like an autopsy type situation. And, uh, you know, of course, Seven of Nine is involved. People right. are speculating that the girl has some connection possibly to the Borg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, we didn't mention that Jonathan Del Arco, the guy that played Hugh, uh, yes. And TNG is back. Yes. So, yeah, he's not in the trailer that I could see unless he's the no. guy on the table. I hope not. As the one Borg with individuality, do they right. cut him open to see how they can make other Borg like him? Oh, boy. I don't know. Ring, ring. What? <laughs> <laughs> that show I did 30 years ago? Oh, they want me to play a corpse? Great. That would suck. I hope that's not true. Um, I read somewhere that him and Jerry Ryan were actually together when they heard about the possibility. I guess they're buds. I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah. guess. And apparently he is very claustrophobic. So yeah, 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 yeah. he was kind of anxious about the idea of putting on the board makeup again. And she was like, she was like, basically like, oh, honey, I'll hold your hand. I'll drive you there or something like that. You know, like, yeah. you know, like. Let's do this. You know, I'll support you however I can. Yeah. Sort of thing. People talk about how like, oh, my God, you know, Patrick Stewart. It's where, who, where's the where's the uh, portrait in the attic? You know, where's the <laughs> time machine? He yeah. Has a day. He, he looks pretty good. Look at Jerry Ryan. I know. Yeah. She looks I mean, it's good. It's a too. little less years. But wow. These, you know, these actors. I know. That's why I like Rutger Hauer. Oh, guys, too soon. Yeah, <laughs> literally too soon in the show. I know. Uh, yeah, guys had a face like a baseball glove. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Uh, so anyway, yes, um, the panel was huge. Uh, it had uh, all the uh, creators of the show, um, Kirsten Beyer, Akiva Goldsman, Kurtzman was there, of course, uh, Michael Shabon, mm-hmm. um, Heather Caden, who is on all these panels. And it's like, she's really like the big, she's like Kurtzman's producing partner. She okay. plays a huge role here, but I don't think that she has any creative input. But they Oh, keep, okay. She's on all the panels, so whatever. <laughs> she's, she's just that person that I only ever see at San Diego Comic-Con. That's okay. why I know what she looks like. Right. Uh, and of course, Stuart was there and the new cast, um, some of whom I'm, I'm going to get wrong here, so I'm going to do my best, but we know that um, Issa Brionis uh, is there, mm-hmm. um, Michelle Hurd, uh, Allison Pill, uh, who got to talk a little bit about her character. This is the scene that we see where they open the drawer uh, which is very reminiscent of the drawers that we've seen on TNG. Whenever they, it's the data parts drawer. Yes. You know, open yes. up your data action figure, un- <laughs> a data unboxing video. And we see a data like figure. Um, that's her character. She's a researcher, and that's all that she can say, I guess. So okay. I can assume well, that perhaps she's a researcher into artificial um, beings. Intelligence. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, early Zoom type androids. Um, Harry Treadaway was there, uh, Santiago Cabrera. And um, even Eva Gore was there as well. So, and then they brought in Mr. Brent Spiner yes. and Jerry Ryan. Yes, and of course Jonathan Delarco. Um, very exciting. Uh, I um, I, and I I know that um, Patrick Stewart has had some experience in the writers' room with us too. Yes. like he's putting doing his input in the writers' room. So I mean. That's cool. Get ready for a dune buggy. Yeah. Oh gosh, I hope not. Um, I, I hope it's like more awesome than detracting. Well, this is a optimistic show. Yes. Because it is enterprising individuals and it's Star Trek. Yes. If you want to hear us bang on it, go over to Justin Upchro. <laughs> Fair enough. The I'm... knives come out. All right. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that we're in good hands for that reason. He told a very touching story uh, at the panel about. Filming one of the last scenes on Just Enough Trope, that's our show, on All Good Things, three yeah. words, and uh, with Frakes. Okay, and talking sure. about how he could barely get through the scene because he was so emotional. And that was 30 years ago, or yeah. 23 years ago. And he was telling that story at the panel and was getting choked up. Um, wow. Just the emotions involved in coming back to this character, coming back to the character of Riker, who will be on the show. In what capacity? We don't know. Right. I believe at the end of Nemesis, he was basically taking command of the Titan to go act as a liaison to the, to Romulus, you know, mm-hmm. who was getting ready to sort of uh, make peace with the Federation. So he'll be involved in the destruction of Romulus and sure. the impact of that. And um, didn't him and Troy get married? Yeah, and Troy will presumably be there as well um, yeah. for that reason. So, yeah, that's all very interesting. Um, I'm really interested to know what Jerry Ryan's connection is. Because I think yeah. people think that she will be part of the crew somehow or be hanging around. And I'm like, if she... So, she, well, okay, so you have to kind of know Voyager. But they get back. She is deborged, you know, and like right. more, more human now, but still like... Picard himself uh, has a connection to the Borg. Yes. So what if she's like spearheading this uh, this research you know, you know team of Romulans and maybe Federation or Starfleet intelligence people who are picking apart Borg? And what if she's kind of a bad guy? What if she's kind of an antagonist? Well, I think that would be a very interesting choice to take. Um, 
and maybe that would be kind of hard for us to swallow, like one of the good guys being kind of a bad guy. But I think it would be, I think it would be good TV. Uh, that's a weird way to pronounce cool. <laughs> it would be cool. I love that Marina Sirtis too has said somewhere else that um, she's been lying, you know, for months about. Whether or not she's going to be in this. Yeah. Like when. Well, how could you. You you can't say anything. No. And and like. And, you know, the stories that Ryan told, you know, about. It was like over a year ago. She learned about this. So that means that at Destination Star Trek, when she was crabbing about like not being called for the for the Picard thing. uh, She knew. Yeah. She totally knew. Yeah. Acting. (laughs) The, but you know the really great actors are <laughs> the really great actors are Michael Dorn and Gates McFadden who are on the other side of her and didn't get a call. So well, right? They're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I know, I know. Wouldn't you? I mean, don't you feel? Wouldn't you feel bad if you were like one of the characters from TNG who like didn't get a call? Um, I just like what what is what is that like your talk with your manager like? How does that go? And like, what are the, you know, what do they say? Like, oh, maybe next season or something like that. Or like, um, I mean, are they dead? Like, how, why are they not involved at all? I don't know. Actors are used to that. Oh, good. Jo- oh, that's so great. You're going to be so good in that. <laughs> I'm going to go scream into a pillow. <laughs> Spider had said that he is playing Data. People speculated that he'd be reprising the role of B4, but... Uh, B4 is in the drawer. B drawer. Yeah. And he is playing Data. Huh. So we don't know how he's coming back. Here's my theory. It's a popular one. It's not real. Okay. It is a holodeck simulation or a dream or something. And I I believe in the trailer he calls him captain. And he is not a captain. He was uh, an admiral and an ambassador. So. Right. So that would fit. Yeah. Um, Okay. Like, why would you think that like maybe he goes and plays chess he has a data chess program and data's like are you getting your franchises mixed up captain (laughs) um does data have cats in the uh i didn't hear any meowing in that scene okay uh you know who has cats who lower decks all right the Lower Decks panel was led by executive producer Mike McMahon. This is, of course, the show that will be on Nickelodeon. No, it's not the Nickelodeon show. Yeah, I'll just shut up. It's all uh, good. It is an animated show. Uh, we found out it's set in 2380. It's one year after the events of the hated Star Trek nemesis. And huh. it's also about the time that Voyager comes back uh, from the Delta Quadrant. Okay. And so um, it will be set on a new ship okay. called the USS Cerritos, which does sound like a Mexican snack. It does. But that's okay. It's one of the, quote, least important ships in Starfleet. It's a support vessel. Does Cerritos mean anything? Do you know? Uh, No prize for whoever can tell us. Okay. And it is going to focus, McMahon said, on the B stories. He talked about all the great things that happened in TNG episodes. He's, of course, a big TNG guy. Um, But then, you know, I think he said, like, Data and Jordy are writing a play and they're fighting about it or something like that. Right. He wants to focus on those stories. Right. The Odo's bucket stories. Yes, exactly. Um, I I think we got to see uh, uh, some of the people talk about their characters, like, a a little bit. Um, Yes. And. uh, Yes. The series will focus on. Just stick with me. I'm going to read a press release here, but I'm going to make it fun. All right. The series is going to focus on four characters. They are all ensigns. Beckett Mariner, who is a no-nonsense go-getter. Brad Broimler, a by-the-book ensign who gets in his own way. 
classic Brimler. Uh, <laughs> Tendi, a huge Starfleet fan who is excited to serve on the ship. Tilly, Tendi, okay. And then Rutherford, an engineer who has trouble problem solving. And I've always wanted to see a engineer who's bad at their job. I think that would be How actually kind of exciting. How many miracle workers have we had to deal with here? <laughs> all, all of them have been miracle workers. Like every single one of them. Yes. Like Jordy, Balana. I think Trip is the closest we got. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see, like uh, they were kind of doing a thing in um, in Into Darkness uh, when Chekhov became uh, the engineer. Uh-huh. He was that engineer who's like getting it done, but like didn't know how he did it exactly. And he'd be like... Chekhov, I need this and that. He's like, okay, Captain. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> hit that button, I guess, and it just all works out. Um, Although actually, he had to fly a, a brewery, though. That's a lot different thing. <laughs> um, I think it would be kind of interesting just to see people who are not totally good at their jobs, you know, because I think not only... I think is that's it, what we're going to get. Okay, good. <laughs> because, you know... That's all. That's a lot of what Trek is. Is like people who are. I mean, people being bad at their jobs. No, I mean they're but they're good at their jobs. And I, I mean, I guess we want to see people excel. But I think that's why I'm really the most excited about uh, this Lower Deck series. Is we're going to see those other characters that we don't get to see very often. And it's you know it's going to be funny. It's going to be more adult, even though it's like a cartoon. Well, presumably the upper decks people know what they're doing. Uh, we've got four characters that have been announced there. Lieutenant Shax, Captain Freeman, Commander Ransom, and Dr. Ta'ana Gilliam, who is a Katian. What is a Katian? A Katian are the cat aliens. Okay. Seen in, well, the animated series, but isn't there one in like Star Trek Four at the trial of Captain Kirk or something like that? Oh, I think that there might be. <laughs> There's like a like a. They have to have like all these Thundercats looking guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like we walked out of the Star Wars cantina or something. Right, like that. exactly. Anyway, yeah, uh, that show will premiere next year. Okay, well, looking forward to it. Yes, I am. Uh, I am looking forward to it. I wonder how far. Are we positive on this show? I wonder how far we can go with it. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, how R-rated how, can we on make On a scale that? of one to Robot Chicken, how tired is this going to get? Because Robot Chicken, very tired. Yeah. VT, uh-huh. very tired. Yeah. And, you know, Rick and Morty you know, itself, we talked about remix culture, is, you know, oh, look, now we're doing Mad Max. You know, they, Rick literally announces what they're doing at the beginning of, well, the, of most episodes. Yeah. Now, it's Star Trek. You've got 50 years of stuff to dig through. Uh-huh. But, and I don't want to be overly reductive of a show that I've got a show based on, but a lot of Star Trek is Captain's Log. What's that? It's trying to kill us. Oh, it's no, it's just trying to help us. Right. <laughs> We're friends. The end. Yeah. Uh, you know, Odo's bucket jokes. You got a lot of those, but mm-hmm. how how thin is it going to get? Yeah. Um. It, it could get pretty thin. <laughs> It could get, get get kind of dicey. Um, <laughs> it's getting kind of dicey. But I'm hoping that'll just make the show more interesting. Um, like just pushing the envelope and seeing what they can get away with. Because um, <laughs> you already have on the show, like Molly's an adult now. Oh, oh my god! No, I she's know. not. You know, like we've already got like straight faced 
time resets. Yes. Now you're going to have cause and effect, but it's not serious. It's funny. And then we get Kelsey Grammer involved because he's a great voice actor, too. And right. then he's like running around in the ship like, could you twist? You twist the Trek premises and find the comedy. And OK, I'm talking myself into this show. Okay. But I still think there's a real potential for it to be like, okay. Um, How soon before you think we get into time travel? Immediately. First episode. Oh, okay. First episode. All right. For sure. Um, you know, we were talking about Paul Feig before. Uh, we'll yes. just c- come back and give him a little plug uh, or a little um, boost. Um, Other Space. I liked Other Space. Other Space was, yeah, an example of taking those clear sci-fi, Star Trek specifically tropes, mm-hmm. and then trying to, you know, work out what's the funny version of this right so you've got the it's like the one character who is like essentially human but a different kind of alien race and everything about him is gross like yeah. he's got like yeah <laughs> like glands just complaining about all his weird body functions yeah exactly i guess it's kind of zoigbergy but still yeah and then you got the episode where the two characters get beamed down to the planet where time moves differently so they're trapped there for like five years yeah and they just go feral and then the ship is like okay and then beams them back and like it's been five minutes for them but they're like ah. <laughs> yeah you yeah. can do stuff like that yeah, you could do a Rick lot of Morty, fun. Rick and Morty, basically. Yeah, it's Rick and Morty. It, right. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you think it's gonna have too much of a difficult time trying to be different from Rick and Morty? Um, or I think everybody's trying to be Rick and Morty, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think that's probably the Get way to go. Get that lightning in the bottle. White lightning in a bottle. Because Rick drinks a lot. <laughs> we got some more Short Trek news from the con as well. We knew that six were coming. We knew that two of them would be animated. But now we have some more details. One of these Short Treks will be a Picard series prequel of sorts. Yes. One will be a, a story involving Tribbles. Uh-huh. Which is very interesting. And three of them will involve the Pike Enterprise crew. Yes. So is this it? Is this the... So you guys want that... Pike Enterprise show, huh? Yeah, maybe this is this? the backdoor pilot. Maybe these streaming figures are high, and then we'll see what we can do. I would not be surprised if that were the case. Kurtzman basically said as much uh, at a panel. Um, somebody from the audience asked whether there would be a Pike Enterprise show, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> Which is like, all right, come on. I know, right? Um, <laughs> um, the triple one, like what we saw from it, is like, like, they're gonna be eating them. It, yeah, or they're uh, they're eating themselves. Like they're somebody's getting like assaulted by tribbles and being yeah. like you know torn apart or whatever. Huh. So, um, yeah. Now that's here's the big question that I need to know. That's a live action. Yes, we've already seen footage from at least two of the Pike ones. We've seen the um, it's Spock's first day uh, yes. one, and we've seen the um, you're under arrest, Captain Pike one. Yeah. So does this mean that one of the Pike ones will be animated or does it mean the uh, the uh, Picard one will be animated or is there uh, another mystery one that we don't know about? And I'll just tell you the titles. We do know the titles right now. Okay. Infer what you can. Uh, Ask Not, Children of Mars, The Girl Who Made the Stars, The Trouble with Edward, Ephraim and Dot, and Q&A. Yeah, I can't t- defer anything from from those titles. Like, well, you're deferring a decision. I, you can't I guess. Infer anything. Um, I would not be surprised if like one of the Pike ones was animated, or I guess I'd be a little surprised if like one of the the Picard one was animated because they have 
um, you know, the cast and crew already together. So why not just film something? Yeah, but he's a big movie star. So I that's know. an add-on. I know. So getting him for, uh, you know, 10 minutes of, of voiceover, that could be like a whole nother. That's a lot of money. Yeah, well, that's true. Or I mean... I mean, I guess he'd do the voiceover. Getting him in in the flesh, yeah, might be. I don't know. Um, I guess I w- I just would be surprised if it was animated. Apparently, the Captain Pike story will involve the USS Bowman, which is okay. an interesting reference to the Vanguard novel "Reap the Whirlwind" by David Mack. Oh, okay. That the USS Bowman is in. I don't know if that's what they meant to do or if this is just like a Star Trek Destiny. Oh, what? You have a whole trilogy of novels called Destiny? Oh, weird. Crazy. Yeah. Like, which is it? Um, or if it's connected to the fact that David Mack is a consultant for some some stuff. Yeah. We know he's a consultant on Lower Decks yes. and then something else. Yeah. Um. Uh, that is a good question. And I guess that would be a nice nod if they, if that's what they're intending to do. It's probably not. Uh, you think they just came up with it and it's like the same? It's probably not. It's probably oh. a reference to Rob Bowman, the director, longtime TV director. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> I mean, which which makes more sense? Um, Rob Bowman, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about our last piece of news. Last but not least, the Star Trek Discovery panel, which itself was a, a victory lap of sorts, I think. I think um, so. Discovery has definitely earned its stripes at this point. And uh, Sonico Martin-Green was there, of course. Uh, also, Alex Kurtzman, uh, Michelle Paradise, uh, the new showrunners of season three. Mm-hmm. And Heather Caden. She's just there. Just, she's, she's always there. She's just there. Yeah. Not answering questions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, it's been confirmed that the Discovery will be in 1,000 years in the future. I mean, we that's where they were going. We pretty much knew that. But I guess yeah. we didn't see them get there. Yeah. But they do end up there, but they don't necessarily make it to where they want to go. Oh, it's okay. It's been hinted that they will not arrive immediately at Terralisium, um, the planet of safe refuge that they're supposed to go to. Right. And this is why I reported about the Sonia Zone story before. Because okay. Uh, hopefully everything works out as far as that goes. Yes. Uh, that would kind of complicate things if they chose not to bring her back. I would hate if they chose not to bring her back because um, I, I love that she plays um, Michael's mom. And I think she's such an interesting character in herself and that, that she's been traveling to and from the future like this entire time. Um, Shuttling. Yeah. Um, New York to DC, right? Um, I I just think that that's fascinating, and I th- also think that that's tragic. And she was happy and sad to see Michael, and like, yeah, I I kind of want to see where that relationship goes. That's and... what happens in Discovery. Yeah, right. But anyway, moving on from this, uh, yeah, that's hopefully um, we'll get everything worked out with that, and she'll be back on the show. We were also introduced to a new character in some screenshots, a character called Cleveland Booker, a.k.a. Book, played by David Ayala, who is he's actually been in a fair amount of movies. Oh, um, really? You probably know him from, well, people might know him from Night Flyers, uh, also from the series Falling Water, which I think was on USA. Okay. And, uh, Heard of that. Yeah, and he was on Supergirl. He played Manchester Black on Supergirl. Okay. Which... I'm all for colorblind casting. Mm-hmm. Manchester Black, a British person, um, not okay. not uh, African, uh, British African in the books, uh, comic books. Um, his name is Manchester Black, though. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. Manchester Black guy. Okay. Right guy for the role. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of like, 
Well, I mean, now somebody makes a joke about that, right? Well, that yeah. somebody's me. Yeah. So um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um. So do you think he? Well, obviously, he's going to be a character they meet in the future. Yes. Right. No, he's a stowaway. Right. He's been there since season one. <laughs> <laughs> he finished the last of the fortune cookies, and he's forced to leave his right. hidey hole to find yeah. more. Oh, and then, whoa, whoa, what? Um, what's, yeah. what's the name of the guy who was in the the short trek Calypso? Craft. Craft. Do you? The think answer is yes. We will see Craft. He just making just the my these little eyes see things and just making connections. Uh-huh. He's also played by a black actor. Well, yeah. Who I knows know. if that's a thing? But they both. I, I'm. Doing a dark city thing here. They both have very utilitarian short names or nicknames. That's true. Craft, book. Yeah. Hand. Oh. Now, now we're doing dark city. Do you know what I mean? I think that this means that they are connected, that they're from the same society. Okay. Or they're from the same team or federation or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think that they are connected in some way. Okay. Although what I wonder is, um, is Aldous Hodge going to show up was he not available right if we're trying to connect these things wouldn't they just run into Aldous hodge one would think yeah but i how i mean what how into the future was i that don't ask dave gallanter i don't okay. know he thinks okay. it's two thousand years i know i maintain that it has to be one thousand years right um but where is the crew of the discovery I ask him if he likes uh the old fred astaire movies do you, do you think the answer is no? <laughs> well, if the answer is yes. Oh, okay. Then it was supposed to be a okay. craft. No, all I don't right. know. So, I mean, that's all we really know. Uh, they've been really tight-lipped about the details. Uh, we do know that the show itself won't come back until late 2020. Oh, okay. Um, I, I guess uh, that's not terribly surprising. I heard that they've already been shooting. Yes. Uh, and that they are shooting at a lot of different locations around the globe. Um. I yeah, yeah, they yeah went to like uh, Greenland or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, for those uh, those those great hills and rocks and yes, exactly. Vistas, yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, uh, I'm excited to see what we're gonna see next from the Discovery. Um, I'm excited to see how we cover it. Well, right. Because get ready for Star Trek Picardage. I. Somebody call Ella. Yeah, no kidding. Tell her about that. <laughs> so that is interesting. What did we learn from all this? I've got something. Do you have something? Um, what did we learn? Spring this um, We learned that you can bring back a beloved character and people will still be super excited about it. They'll freak out. Yeah. Poor Jonathan Del Arco. I mean, I'm sure he's going to do a great job. I'm sure he's done plenty of things in the intervening years, but they brought him out first because I think they didn't want him to be overshadowed by oh, uh, probably by not. Stewart and the other yeah. people. And it, don't worry about it. Because people will be so hyped when Patrick Stewart comes out. Then you bring Hugh the Borg out and people are still cheering. Instead it was right. like, oh, yeah, all right. And then like, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> but yeah, um, he'll, uh, you know, he's he's there. We got a lot of people there. Having him is interesting. Having Seven of Nine is revolutionary. Because right. that means that people keep calling this a TNG sequel. It's not. It's a yeah. 90s Star Trek sequel. Right. This opens the door to so many things. And a few things that are glaring in their absence. Where's Cisco? Well. I know we did that thing in the documentary. That was fun. And 
I don't think those guys got paid, so we're that's not what's going to happen. We're not right. using that. There is right. no Emmett Till. Like that's unless we make some kind of deal. So where's Cisco? It's been twenty five years. I know. Where is the? You did would, he ever come back? You would think he would have come. Jake back. is almost fifty now. Don't yeah. tell me that real life is more depressing than the visitor. At least they got to. Yeah. So he got to visit him every once in a while. Right. Right. This means that he's just been gone for for twenty five years. I know. I know. It's it's mind blowingly. I can't depressing. accept that. I yeah. I so know. I maybe not the first time out. You know, we got a lot to deal with. But right. if we are going to continue to tell the future of the future, we got to get back to some of this stuff. Yeah. And when did Janeway get thrown out of Starfleet? Right. Exactly. She would have done something. <laughs> Don't you think she would have taken some stand? Oh, yeah. Something. They would have been like, I knew we gave this woman too much power. (laughs) But then she would have found some way to get back into the graces, right? Institutional sexism that's in Starfleet, which uh, Uh, keep listening for a future show. um, But don't you think she would have done something that would have gotten. I want Star Trek Janeway. Yeah. I want to see where she is now, too. We kind of got that with Endgame, but like, did she ever. What happened to. Reg, Mike, Max, Cliff, isn't Max. That, isn't that his name? Max? Is it know. Max or is it Mark? It's Mark. something M-A. I don't know. What happened to M-M-A? Yeah, right? Where's Sukatse? <laughs> Get the rock out here. Is there, what about her dog? I, I, that dog's The dead. dog is long <laughs> dog's gone. Dead. Speaking of dogs, uh, yeah, the dog's name is book uh, number one. Let me yes. clear this up for you. The dog actor's name is De Niro. Right. I've heard that reported differently in different places. But, okay. Yeah. Don't don't get it twisted, baby doll. It's it's De Niro. <laughs> uh, should we tell our Shirley story before we go? Yes, we should. <laughs> baby doll. <laughs> we went to Shoreleave, uh Shoreleave 41 in Maryland, um, yes. in Hunt Valley, Maryland, yes. Cockeysville. Yes. Never been. Uh, heard a lot about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of the authors who have been on this show are regulars there. It is a Sci-fi con, but it began, of course, sure leave, as a Star Trek con. Yes. And its heart will always be there. And so it is a place for Star Trek actors and personalities, authors to come, mm-hmm. talk about the franchise. And I'd have to imagine that, you know, a couple of years, up until a couple of years ago, it was probably a sedate affair. Well, <laughs> It was right. probably, hey, Discovery well, tell me about back. that new book. You got a new book? Right. Exactly. Uh, and now it's... Uh, it's kind of excited. It's pretty hopping. It's exciting. Yeah. It's a little hopping. It's pumped up now. <laughs> and we were lucky to be a part of that when we were there. Um, Scott Pearson uh, is an author who's been on the show. Yes. Uh, he's written Star Trek books. Um, it lives near us. Um, yes. And so he and his daughter Ella, my co-host on Generations. Nope. Not yet. I'm going to take it someday. (laughs) Co-host on Star Trek Discoverage uh, were there as well. And so um, they were kind of like our sort of way into this. They were like. It was a lot of. There are ambassadors. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There were a lot of uh, personalities that, you know, I've been talking to for years uh, through electrons, but I've never met in the flesh. And Mm -hmm. so that was great. We got to go to a lot of great panels. Yes. Uh, We got to meet a lot of people that we didn't know uh, who our audience might know in the future because Mm -hmm. they're going to be on this show. And so just fantastic. And so, I mean, whirlwind decision. We decided, hey, let's just try and try this out. Um, For the first time ever, it wasn't on July 4th uh, when Convergence was. So we were able to do it. And so glad that we went. 
it was just a really great decision. Um, yeah. And we had a, a Got to blast. to piss off Aaron Ashmore. There. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we had a, a lot of fun. Um, just, it was really cool, like you said, getting to, to meet people that, uh, you know, you knew the voice, but then you got to meet them in the flesh. We were kind of um, um, busy. Um, and so, and I don't usually like meet famous people. Yes. It's not very, I don't know, it's not very interesting for me. Um, I'm not trying to like get down on the entire no. like, process of meeting people that, you know, you actors or famous people. I just, I don't know, I feel weird when I do it. I don't really like to do it. You're just Is, like, do you think that's, hey, I really your... like when you did the thing. Because of your background? And... No, it's my insecurity okay. is what it is. But I really wish that I had talked to John Glover, who I've enjoyed in everything that he's done. Yes. Um, specifically, um, Gremlins 2. Yeah. <laughs> he plays. And, and I wanted to ask him about how he feels about his character of Daniel Clamp in the new century that we're living in, where Daniel Clamp is president now. And uh, if he ever thinks about about, about that... Well, that would have been interesting to ask. Be like, the greatest supervillain that you've ever played. Right. No, not Lex Luthor's father. Uh, Daniel Clamp. (laughs) Well, he was most recently in uh, Shazam as well. He played, um, what's (laughs) his name? Guy who falls out a window. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah, so he's still working. Yeah, he is. He's He's like 72. He looks great. Yeah. Uh, everybody does. Uh, there are a bunch. There's a bunch of people there from shows that I don't watch, um, <laughs> and but I respect them. Truth. But you always know when you're walking through the halls, it's like, oh, here's an actor. <laughs> just like, right. Here's the, just a gorgeous person, you know, who's walking around who and sparkles. trying to look, you know, wearing like sweatpants, but like really expensive sweatpants. Yeah. And it's like, like, all right, Lululemon you're the karate guy from Dark Matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lululemon. I don't think he's wearing Lululemon, but <laughs> yeah. So there was a, like a Supergirl reunion of sorts because there was a bunch of actors from Supergirl who were there. Um, yes. There was a guy from Veronica Mars there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Aaron Ashmore. <laughs> I want to get him on the show. That'd be cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and then there were Star Trek people there, of course. Yes. Uh, Nichelle Nichols was there as part of her kind of farewell tour mm-hmm. um, doing cons this year. And then uh, Anson Mount and Ethan Peck from Star Trek Discovery were there yes. as well. We got to see them uh, do a Q&A panel. They actually did two Q&A panels, which they is did. nice of them. And it was a fun experience. Uh, it's a fan-run show. It is. I think I would probably take a fan-run show over any slick corporate show i would agree with you but the thing about a slick corporate show is it's things slick. start on time yes <laughs> and even though the questions are incredibly vapid and oftentimes you get a morning radio dj who's never watched the show that this right. person was on uh at least it has a flow to it mm-hmm. this is a little more chitty chitty bang bang you know, a little uh, yeah. stop and start. Laid back. Uh, what's exactly happening here? Yeah. Uh, but if you have a good attitude, it all comes off. And with Alan in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, um, the mics weren't working. Yes. These, like, probably 35-year-old, you know, wireless mics weren't getting the job done uh, for the audience questions. And so uh, Anson Mount is a hand, hands-on captain. He's a hands-on man. So yes. he just got up from his director's chair and just ran out into the audience. Which was so great. And, yeah, started taking questions. And then, of course, you know, Ethan Peck's not going to be outdone. So <laughs> so he I did know. the same thing. Yeah, and it, the audience loved it. It, it was kind of nice to see that healthy competitiveness between the two of them and uh, them rivaling like, oh, nope, nope, I'm going to do it this time. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I think it added to uh, the atmosphere of the overall panel. 
And um, it was really cool because to me, it just kind of meant that they were kind of down to earth. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, they weren't too full of themselves to be like, well, you know what? I'm going to walk out and then oh, to give this mic to this. They person. were so personable. And I did. I, I don't know. Maybe it's my just, you know, being a, a, a stag myself, <laughs> uh, an alpha male. Maybe you can just smell the pheromones. But I did feel like I sensed a little friendly competition between them. Yes. And some of the stories that they told, you know, on the set is like, oh, I was doing this. So he's like, well, if he's doing that, I got to do this. But like, you know, in a fun way. Yes. And Anson told his story about how he got cast because it was asked. They were both asked, you know, how did you learn you were cast? You know, what's the story? And he's like, well, Ethan's story is way better than mine. So I'm going to tell mine first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we got some great pictures from that event and they're on our Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go to Enterprising Individuals or EIST Pod on Instagram to find those. And yeah, that was that was great. Um, it was. Saw some great panels. Uh, we went to a couple panels about the Modifius Star Trek game. Yes. Uh, that were hosted by Jim Johnson, a yes. uh, guest on the show, uh, who is sort of the line editor and sort of in charge of um, production and a lot of the different supplements and things they've got coming out for that. That was great. Um, yeah, it was just a really great experience. And to top it all off, um, there's this tradition where every Saturday... The authors yes. um, that we're talking about here, this group of authors, kind of takes over the hotel bar, mm-hmm. you know, posts up in the in the corner, um, holding court, you know, right. uh, chewing the fat, uh, <laughs> getting that experience that I'm sure none of us, myself included, ever had in high school where you're at the cool table. Right. We're going to make this the cool table. I- exactly. That's yeah. right. You can't uh-huh. sit here. Uh, we wear pink on we're Wednesdays. Gonna, we're going to talk about Trek and it's cool. Yes. Uh, cool Trek. And so uh, the Pearsons sort of got us into that, which was yes. nice. And at around like 930 or 10 o'clock in the bar, uh, we were talking to Ella, who was there, very excited. She mm-hmm. was having the time of her life. And I remember looking over the bar and seeing Anson Mount standing yes. at the bar. Like he's in a cologne commercial. He's mm-hmm. got a, you know, utility, like a khaki shirt on and he's got a great nice watch and he's got like one elbow up on the bar, you know, and he's kind of flagging <laughs> the bartender down, you know, right. there's some, some smoky whiskey's coming that way. right? Uh-huh. And right next to him, because it's a Star Trek invention, yes. was a six and a half foot tall guy in a Judge Q costume. It you know, the fantastic. whole thing. Necklace. Yes. Guinan hat. Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about Guinan's hats, but Q did it first. That's why uh, they're did. fighting. That's why they're fighting later on with the claws. <laughs> and I was thinking like, oh boy, I kind of want to watch this to see him shoo this guy away. But the guy stayed and they talked for like a half an hour. He was really nice about it. So I was watching Captain Pike talk to Judge Q and I, I was know. like, I'd watch this episode. <laughs> and I really wanted to get a picture of it. Yes. But I it's part of the thing with the famous people is I don't want to take a picture of somebody when like they don't know they're having their picture taken. I'm not a paparazzi. Yeah. That's right. not the deal that he made when he decided to be like an acting god. <laughs> and so I thought, I don't know, maybe I'll try to snag one tomorrow. Don't worry about it. And he um, was still there at the bar. And I turned around to Ella and Ella said, I'm going to talk to him. And I said, well, OK, I mean, it's, it's your funeral. Like, if you want to go for it, what are you right. going to say? She's like, I'm going to ask him to come over. It's like, okay, I think he probably just wants to eat his club sandwich, you know, and drink his whiskey, but fine. So she goes over there, emboldened by youth uh-huh. and vodka tonic. Yes. And I guess the gist of it was she told him, hey, uh, you, 
don't mean to bother you, but you know, over in the corner is like you know eight to ten Star Trek authors. They've written some of the Discovery books. Right. You know, um, the guy that wrote the Enterprise War. Your book is over there. If you get a chance, come by. It would knock them out and make their night. Yes. And he was like, okay, yeah, we'll see. She comes back. She's like, I'm just glad I did it. I'm just glad I did it. Right. She comes back to the fold. We're hanging out for another half an hour or so. To my right, a khaki blur comes by and the rich smell of sandalwood. (laughs) And it's Anson Mount. And he comes over to the table. He goes by everybody. He comes right up to Greg Cox, basically, and uh, Scott Pierce and David Max there. And he's like, hello, how are you doing this evening? And (laughs) And he just starts talking to everybody. And yes. He was there for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the just the weird thing is that like he told us that he is writing Star uh, Star Trek uh, sci-fi stories himself. Yes. Uh, during this panel he had talked about, he showed a surprisingly like, like deep knowledge of like sci-fi. sci-fi. He's yeah. a sci-fi fan. And he's like, I've been writing these stories and I wondered like you guys must know like where I can bring this stuff. And everybody immediately points Right at Greg Cox, yes, who is a uh, editor for Tor, yes, and could get him published. I mean, this Absolutely. would be a get, yeah, yeah. And Greg is like, who's normally very, you know, chill, is like fumbling all over himself because <laughs> this is happening, and he didn't bring any cards or anything like that. Right. Like this is just the uh, the author chill out hangout night, exactly. And so he's like fumbling it with his like while he's trying to get a receipt, like a CVS receipt out that he can tear up and like write his information <laughs> down. So anyway, that worked out eventually. They talked some more about that. Uh, Ella told him about her podcast, Generations Geek. Yes. She told him about uh, and my podcast, uh, Enterprising Individuals, yes. and gave him my card. Yes, which and, was super uh, exciting. He shook his hand, spoke with him a little bit. Yes. And when you shake that guy's hand, he's looking in your eyes. Yeah, he is. It's it's Captain Pike. Yeah, I know. A lot of people don't look the way they look on screen because they're made up or whatever. But you you look in that man's eyes, you shake his hand, you are talking to Captain Pike. It's, it's uncanny. unreal. Yeah. yeah. It's, he is a presence. So that was great. You know, shook his hand, said goodnight. He took off. He thought, nothing's going to top that. It's going to be a right? story we tell forever. Ella's looking over my shoulder. She's like, Ethan Peck's over there. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I know. Here we go again. I know. And she does it. She goes over there and she brings Ethan Peck back. And now Ethan Peck is standing around talking to everybody. Yes. We have pictures of all of this on our Instagram uh, hanging out with us. And he stayed for like three hours. Like he shut the bar down. Yeah. And he was like posted up in the corner. He was talking to Dave Gallanter who has written a – he wrote a Spock novel himself. Yes. Called uh, Crisis of Consciousness, uh, which you should check out. It's very good. And so they were talking about stuff. You know, Ethan get, got his phone out and he was showing us like videos from the set. It was so cool. Uh, like when he was getting his costume pieces and stuff put on, like he showed us this video um, of like the video displays that they had like on the suit, you know, the detailing yes. and stuff like that, like the, the LED displays. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's supposed to show us that, but he was. <laughs> and it was just, it was crazy. Like he was so, at one point, um, somebody who was not like affiliated with us, didn't know us, came up out of the blue and just said, Hi, I know. So, sorry, sorry to bug you. No, it's an imposition, but we have a friend. Um, he's been coming to this for a while. He's a fan, and he has mobility issues, right. and he can't get around the con really well. He's outside. He, it would mean the world to him if you would talk to him. I know it's weird, but just think about it. And he's like, hold my drink. Goes out there. He spent like a half an hour out there. Yeah, he did. 
And then he came back. I know. And took his whiskey back. Right. And Ella hadn't drinking the entire thing. Oh, just some of it. <laughs> and just stuck around. And yeah. like Dave Gallanter is teaching him dirty sign language. Yes. And yeah, it's it's just weird. Just a it uncanny was, experience. It was a surreal night, but it it was like so fantastic. It was like and and everybody else kept saying too that like this never this happens. This never happens, yeah. You know, like Often the actors will be in the bar, and of course the authors will be in the bar, but they won't interact at all. So I think I don't know. And I'm trying to think of who that would have been. Right. Not not to shade anyone, but like was I could see Brent Spiner making it an early night. But if right. Aaron Eisenberg was there, he would have been all over the place. He would have right? been. Like, he would have been he there just the whole would have time. Been super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just. It was totally great. And they my, were just my favorite so part. Cool, my know? favorite part of the night was. We were talking to uh, to Ethan about playing Spock, and he every time I've heard him talk about playing Spock, mm-hmm. it's always very reverent. Yes, you know, this is a guy whose whose grandfather is Gregory Peck. I know he understands iconic roles. He understands legacy. Spock is the Atticus Finch of Trek. Right, come on, yeah, right. So he gets that, and so when you interview him, like he was on Mount's podcast talking about the process of of becoming Spock. Mm-hmm. How he met with the family. Like Nimoy's family. Yeah, yeah. And he met with Adam Nimoy and he got their blessing and, and learned about him uh, that way, about Leonard that way. He read I Am Not Spock, Leonard's biography. Mm-hmm. And he also at one point stopped. He put it down and said, okay, I think I understand the man. Now I'm going to bring my, my, the, me. Yeah, my half take that on is it. me yeah, to it. exactly. You know, and so making a synthesis of that and just having so much reverence for it every single time that's what he talks about like it was you know the the most herculean effort you know uh, done spiritually and done well and (laughs) there's this possibility of a pike show happening uh in the future we don't know he'd have to do it again and so dave asks him uh so you know after all this do you think if you had to put the ears on if you had to do it again could you do it and he said oh yeah i'll crush it it's in me now (laughs) it's just like (laughs) He's like, yes, that's it. That's what I want to see. A 32-year-old actor who, you know, has cheekbones that could, you know, like Wolverine's claws. I know, right? Who is drinking a $200 bottle of whiskey. Uh, <laughs> that's what I want to hear. Don't give me that crap about like, oh, I just really had to feel it. No, you could. Come on. Yeah, I could do it. You see these guns? Come on. I know. I'm gonna crush so it. great. So, yeah. I, the future's in good hands. <laughs> Um, they were just, yeah, it was, it was a, I'm so glad we went. Um, I mean, we had a wonderful time besides that, but that was just like the, the cherry on top, um, that, that like made our shore leave and apparently made a lot of other people's shore leaves too. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, it's just a great con. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of love there. It's well run. It's, yeah. it's very chill. Um, I also got to pick up, um, the enterprise war, uh, yes. which came out at the show basically. Yes, it did. Uh, and talk to John Jackson Miller, who's been on the show, get him to sign the book. I'm really looking forward to reading that book. Um, Dave Gallanter announced, <clears throat> excuse me, at the show that he's writing the next discovery novel, um, a novel called dead endless, mm-hmm. which is set during the events of star Trek discovery, the show, which sounds fantastic. Yes. Uh, it was so great to meet Dave. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. And it was great to meet Thad Haight. 
Yes. Who I only, I mean, it totally makes sense. I didn't put together. Yeah, he lives like, you know, an hour and a half away. He could drive right. to this thing. I didn't know if he came uh, and we ran into him. I was like, that's so awesome. Yeah, he was just super nice, very personable. Um, yeah. Uh, I, if people don't remember, um, host of the Delta Flyer podcast. Yes. Who has been on the show previously. Yeah. Um, he, he was just like super nice, really easy to talk to. And like having the time of his life, like he, he dressed up. Uh, yeah. A, he had a couple of different outfits. He had uh, one of the new uh, Enterprise uniforms. Right. Uh, as seen on Discovery, yeah. which was really cool. Um. And uh, I think he was, he had uh, a uniform from the Enterprise, Enterprise yeah. uh, the series as series. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really nice meeting him. Um, I, Anson Mount has to know him by name by now because. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. They've, they've run into each other a couple of times. Well, yeah. I suppose he did get his picture taken with him a, a couple of times. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always, it's cool to meet a, a fellow chill podcaster <laughs> i'm tired of meeting all these rabid <laughs> insane podcasters right <laughs> they're always nibbling at your at your legs and, and ankles no yeah um yeah he was great um and hopefully uh we'll get him on the show again soon yeah that'd be great so sure leave i'd recommend it for sure Absolutely. Um, i think they're probably already selling tickets for next year uh, and we'll have to look at uh, maybe going again. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Have to bring Ella with us. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ella. Yeah. Ella, you have to go talk to William Cat for me. I know, we gotta right? got to come back here. <laughs> See if we can make that work. Uh, well, I think we made it work. Thanks for joining me to do another Trek News Roundup. Absolutely. Um, do we have a clever name for it? I can't remember. Um, we should have a, a one dispatch, at this point. A subspace transmission. Um, like I'm trying to think of something like circular that goes around, like a conveyor belt or something like that, but a more clever name. Um, like at a sushi restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's yeah. just... So the news is just coming. Yeah, it's like just coming. Like plates of nigiri. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just Or like the... Um, the dessert boats on uh, on Legion. Yes. They have that restaurant. Yes, in the... they have the sushi type restaurant. Yeah, that, yeah and there's these the little boats, boats that go by with Sundays and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, when we get a name for it, uh, let me know so <laughs> I can call it that. But okay. in the meantime, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at justenoughtrope.com and justenoughtrope on Facebook and Twitter. What's coming up on Just Enough Trope? Yes. Uh, well, um, a couple of months ago, we did a over of uh, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> And we had yeah. so much fun with that. And we the thought, American films of Paul yes. Verhoeven. Yeah, we yeah. had so much fun of that. And we thought there's still quite a bit of films. Uh, so we wanted to do that again. But we also want to honor uh, the great Rucker Hauer who just recently passed. Yeah. So we thought, why not do a combination yeah. of the two? So we are going to be talking about a trio of films, Turkish Delight, Soldier of Orange and Flesh and Blood. Yeah. Flesh and Blood is the first American movie, I think, Verhoeven's first American movie. That um, sounds right. Yeah, coming from the Netherlands. Um, right. Both of them are, are Dutch Dutchmen. Yes. Uh, and they're flying, I gotta tell you. <laughs> flying to heaven too soon. Yeah. But, yeah. He was only 75. Yeah. Although, like I said before, like A every day 75. of that 75. But yeah. He, yeah, he lived... He lived it right. So that sounds really exciting. Uh, you can find the show on iTunes and just places. Good uh, yeah, stuff iTunes and words. And Stitcher. And Cookie. And, and, and all Fire Engine. the podcast I'm places. I'm coming apart. But thanks again for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.